Hello and welcome to the Woke is Broke podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Stanko, and we have for you shocking, shocking news right now. Tom Brady, greatest quarterback of all time. He is coming out of retirement. I'm sorry. Uh, well, that's shocking as well. I mean, uh, there was obviously speculation as to whether or not his retirement from football was indeed a retirement or whether or not he was going to come back, but he did make the announcement official. He is returning for a 23rd season of football with the Florida Buccaneers. And uh, honestly, I'm, I'm kind of excited about that. I mean, you know, don't get me wrong, I'm not really a big sports guy. I don't follow it a whole heck of a lot, but I'm a big Brady fan. You know, it's impossible not to be, like, inspired by greatness, and there's no denying he is a great quarterback. He is the greatest quarterback, and his career has uh, really been interesting to watch, to say the least. So I'm excited about that. Um, I, I was disappointed that he wasn't able to make it to the Super Bowl last year, but uh, hopefully with this little extension he can get himself one more ring. <laughs> like, he doesn't have enough already, but... Um, e either way, that uh, that uh, is our little piece of good news for the, t uh, for the day as we delve into some of the uglier news that's going on in our world. Let's get into that, shall we? Now for the potentially upsetting news. So there were some middle school students in Florida who were attacked um, and beaten senselessly because of the color of their skin. You've no doubt heard all about this in the news. Um, look at that, I'm sorry, the victims were white, which means you haven't heard anything about this in the news whatsoever. And the perpetrators, oh, perpetrators were black. Yeah, which means you definitely haven't heard anything about this in the news media. But uh, according to NBC, five middle school students are facing hate crime charges after what was believed to be a racially motivated attack against another group of kids in Coconut Creek. According to the reports, the students told police that the other students approached them yelling, it's opposite day and brown power. The group looked at the student and stated he is white before another student tackled him to the ground, which subsequently allowed the group of middle school kids to start hitting him with their hands, feet, and phone chargers, the report said. I put my hands up so they don't whack my face, the attack student said. After they jumped me, they said this is like revenge for what they did in the 1700s for slavery. You know, there was a time when I had given my heart over to hate, where I was just reveling in anger and pain all the damn time. And so, you know, I, I can recognize it when I see it. And I see it in this. And maybe, maybe this is just an isolated instance, right? Maybe these, these students who reached reach the worldview that told them it was acceptable to beat the bejesus out of other students for being white, maybe they reached that worldview entirely on their own. Or maybe, quite possibly, a society that has taught them that it is acceptable to embrace hatred, to fill your heart with hate, and to aim that hate at other people who are different from you had something to do with it. Maybe the lesson plans that we were assured, absolutely assured, were not being taught in schools, but if they were being taught in schools, that that would be a good thing. Things like critical race theory, right? Maybe that had something to do with it. Maybe the glorification of a Marxist organization, Black Lives Matter, that is solely responsible for the destruction of black businesses, black homes, black neighborhoods, and black churches, an organization that said violence is an acceptable form of protesting 
that called for the destruction of the nuclear family, that labeled all of America's institutions as fundamentally racist, maybe that had something to do with why this happened. You know, we hear this crap all the time, right? Anti-racism. There is no such thing as anti-racism. Anti-racism is racism. And yet, it has to be taught to kids. Right? That, that is what's being advocated for at the end of the day, right? Is teaching children hate. Right? They, because if not, they're not going to learn about history. That was the big argument that we heard. If you didn't want critical race theory in your schools, it's because you didn't want kids learning about slavery. Find me a single student in this country that does not know about slavery in the Americas. Find me one. That's not what it was about. It was never what it was about. What it was about was people recognizing that it was wrong to teach children that they are inherently privileged because of their, for being white. That it was inherently wrong to teach children that they were inherently oppressed if they were not white. And that laying a collective crime against an entire race of people, right, the idea that all of our institutions are irredeemable because they were founded in racism and that racism was used to prop up white people. And if you're white today, you are a beneficiary of that racism. That you are an oppressor as such that you need to shed your privilege, that you need to admit your guilt, and that the people that you are responsible for oppressing merely by your own existence, that those people are entitled to things. They're entitled to things for their immense suffering, right? Leftists like to pretend that America today is exactly the same as it was in the 1960s. Maybe even some of them for the 1860s, right? Go back that far. And they aren't entirely wrong. Because there is a form of bigotry that is absolutely tolerated on a societal level today. But is that bigotry aimed towards women or minorities, generally speaking? Or all the people that we, we are told are victims, are oppressed, and are in need of recompense, restitution, right? No, that bigotry is not aimed towards them. Do you know where it's aimed at? It's aimed towards me. It's aimed towards Asian people. It's aimed towards the minorities who have the audacity to have the quote-unquote incorrect political beliefs. You want to see what racism looks like? Look to Larry Elder, a man who was called the blackface of white supremacy for being Republican. Look to Winsome Sears down in Virginia, who was called a, a, a black mouth with a white idea coming out of it. You want to talk about the epitome of racism? How about suggesting that because of your race, that you have to have a particular set of beliefs, and if you, do, if you don't, you are not a legitimate member of that race. You are a race traitor. You're an Uncle Tom, right? Now that is fundamentally racist as hell. And you know, I take, I take real issue with what all of this anti-racism shit really comes down to at the end of the day, and that is a lack of accountability. It's the idea that if you are not happy in your life, it must be because somebody has been keeping you down. If you are not happy in your life, it must be because those people over there stopped you from being happy. Right? Right? Because if a woman or a minority or something like that, if they're unhappy, it must be because of my happiness, that my happiness is oppressing them, that my existence is oppressing them. And I put it to you, 
How has my existence oppressed you exactly? Where is my privilege? Exactly. I dropped out of high school in junior year. I weighed over 313 pounds. I was struggling with clinical depression and anxiety disorder. I was committed to a hospital twice before the age of 18 for those problems. I had an annual income of about $25,000 last year. Where the hell is my privilege? Where the hell are all of the awesome little perks and benefits of being white? Please let me know. I would like to partake. I would love to have some awesome freaking life that comes to me for no reason other than the color of my skin. It'd be amazing. It'd be great. No, the reality is, is that if you are not happy in your life, nine times out of ten, it's because of you. It's because of the decisions that you make. The idea that, 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 a, uh, that a Hispanic kid won't graduate high school because of me. No, a Hispanic kid won't graduate high school because of them. Even when I dropped out of high school, it wasn't because anybody was keeping me down. It's because I made a choice in the face of some rather uh, extreme circumstances, mind you. And everybody's circumstances are different. But let's not pretend that we don't have choices. All we have in this life are choices. And choosing to hate other people and say that you aren't where you want to be because of them, that is a choice. It's a coward's choice, but it is a choice. And that's what anti-racism seeks to do at the end of the day, is to fill the hearts of children with hate. To cut them off from the things that are going to bring them fulfillment and happiness. Things like faith. Things like family. Things like individualism and accountability. Hard work, dedication love. It seeks to take away all of that and give them a bill of goods that is going to lead to deeply, deeply troubling and painful outcomes later on in life. And because this course, this course, it doesn't lead to anywhere good. It doesn't lead to anywhere happy or fulfilling. And they're going to be worse off for it. Those kids are going to be worse off for it. And that has to be addressed. That has to be fixed. Because the poisoning of the wellspring of America, the targeting of the most vulnerable and innocent among us, namely the children, is something that has to be addressed. Not tomorrow, not ten days after tomorrow, today. It has to be addressed today. Because adults, we got all the time in the world. Those kids don't. Those kids don't. You set a kid on the wrong course, you are screwing him up for... Potentially for life. And that's not to say that they can't come back from that. That's absolutely possible. But it makes it a hell of a lot more difficult. In any event, uh, let's move on with some additional news, shall we? So, as you may have noticed, uh, aggression from foreign countries seems to be something that's ticking upwards and upwards as the days pass on by further and further into the Biden administration. And uh, North Korea is now one of those nations. According to The Guardian, they were testing intercontinental ballistic missiles recently, uh, which they claimed were being used to test, you know, the launching of satellites or some such. Uh, but anyways, Ping Pong conducted two recent missile launches, which it said were ultimately intended for putting satellites into space. 
After scrutinizing them, however, U.S. intelligence has assessed that the real intention was to test parts of the new Intercontinental Ballistic Missiles, or ICBM. Uh, based on the analysis of these launches, the United States government has concluded that these launches involved a new ICBM system that the DPRK is developing, John Kirby of the, Pen the Pentagon spokesman said. Uh, he said, this is a serious escalation by the DPRK. Serious escalation. I heard it from John Kirby himself. So what is the Biden administration doing in response to this uh, act of outwards aggression? Uh, what are they doing? Uh, they're having John Kirby go out there and say, this is a serious escalation by the DPRK. And that's it. In the same way that their response to Russia committing war crimes against civilians in Ukraine right now is to catalog it, document it, uh, write it all down, and then shove it up their ass. Uh, Jake, we've seen very credible reports of um, deliberate attacks on civilians, which would constitute uh, a war crime. Uh, we've seen very uh, credible reports about the, uh, the use of certain weapons. Uh, and what we're doing right now is documenting all of this, uh, putting it all together, uh, looking at it, and making sure that uh, as uh, people and the appropriate uh, organizations and institutions investigate whether uh, war crimes have been or are being committed, uh, that um, we can uh, support uh, whatever, whatever they're doing. So uh, right now, we're looking at these reports. They're very credible and we're documenting everything. You know, I'm really glad that in the Biden administration, right, writing notes is really important, right? War crimes are happening, we're documenting that, yes. I'm really glad that they're really good at documentation because when Republicans take over the House and the Senate at the end of the year, that documentation is going to come in real handy when they start launching investigations into the wild incompetence of the Biden administration. War crimes are happening, yes, we recognize that and we're documenting it, whoop-de-doo. What are you going to do in response to that? That's what I want to know. That's what I want to know. You see war crimes happening. What are you going to do? You see North Korea doing intercontinental ballistic missile tests. What are you going to do? And the answer is nothing. The answer is nothing, and our enemies know that. That is why they are all running roughshod over Biden right now. All right, and you see this consistently under Democratic leadership, right? You notice that the missile testing kind of waned in North Korea under Trump's administration, right? It happened under Obama, then it waned under Trump, and now it's back again. Why is that? It's because sharks smell blood in the water, and Biden is a weak leader. They know this, they know this, and we know this as well. They're not going to do anything because they don't have any backbones, this administration. And that was never made more painfully apparent than last week when Biden himself, according to Politico, Biden himself decided that we were not going to assist Poland in providing um, fighter jets to Ukraine amidst this conflict right now, right? Poland was going to give Ukraine their old fighter jets. We were going to give Poland some of our fighter jets to replace what they were giving Ukraine. And Poland wanted to use one of our military bases that was a little closer to the Ukraine border to ship these planes into Ukraine without having to fly them into Ukraine, right? Because if you fly fighter jets into Ukraine to hand off to the Ukrainians, right, there's a chance that the Russians might just shoot you out of the sky. Right? And everything was fine. Everything was in the works until Biden decided at the last second, no, no, I'm, I'm afraid that that might lead to you know, increased aggressions between us and the Russians, and we're just going to back out, according to Politico. Officials in Kiev, including Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky, in a weekend Zoom call with U.S. lawmakers, have pressed hard to acquire European fighter jets, claiming the enhanced air power would help them inflict further damage on Russian forces. 
Videos posted to social media during the two weeks of fighting have shown the invading army massed in large, slow columns bottlenecked on roads where Ukrainian-operated Turkish drones and ground troops with javelin missiles have turned hundreds of Russian vehicles into burning husks. But skeptics inside the Biden administration pushed back on the idea of greenlighting the transfer of Poland's MiG-29 fighters to Ukraine, and President Joe Biden sided with those skeptics, three U.S. officials said. POTUS will do what the military advises here, and the advice now is to not do this and instead send the Ukrainian government more things they can make good use of, a senior administration official told Politico. Right, so the Biden administration is actually going out there and saying, well, they don't really need these extra planes, right? They got plenty of planes that they can fly around already, and us, you know, helping them acquire new planes are just increased to greater aggressions between us and Russia, right? They don't really need the planes, right? I'm sure that's just why Vladimir Zelensky himself was asking for planes. And I'm sure it has nothing to do with the fact that Russia has a far superior air force. But no, they don't really need it. They're asking for it, but they don't know what they need. Give me a break. What they need is America to stand up on its feet and help them however we can. And the idea that it's more aggressive to help them acquire new planes than it is to just give them guns, bullets, and ammo, right? That's what we're doing right now. That's, that's the aid that we're providing right now, and, and yet it's more aggressive to send a plane. This doesn't make any sense, and it's not supposed to. Uh, if it was up to the Biden administration, this whole thing in Ukraine would just drag on for years. They don't really care about what's going on in Ukraine right now. That's why they'll watch war crimes happen and do nothing. They don't really care that, that Putin was going to move on Ukraine. That's why they were talking about it back in November and proceeded to do nothing up until after the invasion. They don't care about what's happening on the international stage right now because the second that they start caring, that means that they are obligated to do something about it. And I'm not talking about military intervention here, okay? What I am talking about is just having a freaking backbone, okay? North Korea is testing ballistic missiles right now. What are you prepared to do about it? Putin is marching in on Ukraine, murdering civilians, committing war crimes, as you openly admit it. What are you going to do about it? You have to draw a line somewhere and you have to be consistent in that line that you're drawing. You cannot make threats and then back down like Obama liked to. You cannot sit by and let bad people accrue power because eventually they come for you. And that is what's happening. That is what's happening. Evil people in this world running evil, terrible nations right now are growing their influence, their power, and their wealth because of American weakness. The fact that we saw Europe, Europe rally together in support of Ukraine did not happen because Joe Biden is an amazing leader and he inspired all of them to do that. No, they did that in spite of us. They did that as a result of our weakness, right? For so long, Ameri people looked to America to lead the way, to handle the tough stuff, right? Thinking that everything would be fine. And then we didn't. We just didn't. We just didn't do anything. Which means that they have to pick up the pieces themselves. And that has lasting consequences for all of us in the long run, right? Do you really want the whole of Europe acquiring more and more nuclear weapons so that they can defend themselves whenever Russia decides that they want to, I don't know, absorb Germany, absorb Poland? I don't want that. But, I mean, that's essentially what's needed at this point, right? Because we made promises to Ukraine to give up their nuclear weapons, which they needed to defend themselves against Russia with the promise that we were going to watch their backs, and we just didn't. We won't. We won't.
because there is nothing that could happen that would ever make Joe Biden actually put military members in harm's way. And it is an ugly and painful thing, right, to put military members in harm's way, right, to ask people to lay down their lives. But that is the job that they took. That is the oath that they swore to protect and defend the Constitution, to protect and defend America and her allies. And we honor that oath. We honor that sacrifice every single day. Or at least we try to. We should. But let's not pretend that the most noble thing you could do is make sure that all of our servicemen and women are on our own shores and that everything's going to be fine. No, things always come back. They always come back. And if you bury your head in the sand regarding this conflict today, if you bury your head in the sand regarding North Korea today, that will have lasting consequences. There will be blood that has to be shed as a result. The question is, is when do you finally decide that you're going to get involved? Is it going to be after American citizens get killed? Is it going to be after some of our military bases are shot at with intercontinental ballistic missiles? Is it going to be after Ukraine is absorbed by Russia and then they, de then they decide that they want to move on uh, another nation next? When do, you when do you decide that you're going to get involved? If the answer is after things have already fallen apart, that is a very bad time to get involved. Setting up deterrence, acting preeminently, acting in advance so that things don't get worse, so that we can minimize the loss of life, loss of life in the long run. That is what's needed. But we don't have that right now. We don't have that in our leadership, and that really is an ugly and sad thing to see. And there are people who are losing their lives right now as a result of our weakness, and there will be people on our side of the line who are going to lose their lives in the long run as a result of this weakness. In any event, uh, that's all the time we have for you guys today. I am your host, Joshua Stanko, as always, saying stay safe, guys, stay informed, God bless, and uh, hope you're enjoying Lent. Um, but in any event, I'll, I'll catch you guys later, okay? Have a good one.